Hey everyone, welcome to the Gate Alliance Church. We're so glad you could join us for this week's podcast. If you have any questions or want to learn how you can be more engaged in our church, check us out online at thegatechurch.ca. Thanks for listening and enjoy this week's podcast. Series. Uh, the very first week we talked about um, the why, because Jesus said, you know, why, why I want you to abide in me is that my joy will be your joy. And we all want that. And we live in a broken world where we could all of us stand up and say, these are, these are, the, these are the consequences of living in a broken world. Um, it might be discouragement, disease, the death. Um, there's so many things, but even in those storms, in those uh, attacks or those struggles, there is joy because of Jesus in my life. And then the second week, we talked about how Jesus is the source of that uh, joy, the source of life, which we'll kind of talk a little bit about again today. But last week, we had a missionary service, and we took a wonderful break to hear from our, our missionary couple. And now we're in week three about the pruning. And uh, this, is what pr- this is what abiding means. It's it, It's in your notes. Abiding in Christ means allowing his will to fill our minds. How many have minds? How many feel good about your mind? To direct our wills and to transform our actions. That's what our affections are. That's what we care about. That's what we desire to do. And if we're going to be transformed, and believe me, we need to be transformed if we're going to be right with God and used by God. If we're going to be transformed, it all begins up with our minds and our thoughts. The Bible tells us that. We know this verse in Romans 12 too. A lot of you could probably memorize, have memorized it. It says, don't copy the behaviors and customs of this world, which is so easy to do. I see churches do this. I see people do this. And we're all tempted to do this. Copy the customs and, and behavior of the world. But it says, no, but let God what? transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. And then it talks about the result of that. You will learn to know God's will for you, which I think all of us desire. And actually, that's the number one question Christians ask, is what is God's will for my life? Which is good, thank, praise the Lord, and pleasing and perfect. So according to Romans 12, 2, who does the work of transformation in our lives? God does. But let God transform you. And how does God transform you? You feel like you're in school again, don't you? I wish this guy would not ask me questions. I'm just here to listen. I'm not here to... (laughs) By by changing the way you think. And so if you come today to God, and you would come to his word today, having just surrendered your agenda and ready to hear from him and say, God, I'm allowing you to, to transform me today, you are on your way to winning the race. And the Bible talks about our life so much like a race. In fact, you know, I, I love this one from 1 Corinthians. Don't you realize that in a race, everyone runs? Yes, I get that. But only one person gets the prize. And I love this line. So run to win. So be the one. Be the one who, who gets the prize. Be the one who runs to win in this life. And that begins by not conforming to the world but allowing God to transform you. And it begins by him renewing your mind and what, you, what we think we put in our mind. So this is God's word today. Uh, God speaking to us. This is the word that we want to allow into our minds, into our hearts, and then into our actions. It is this. Jesus says in John 15, 1 and 2, I am the true grapevine, and my father is the gardener. <clears throat> he cuts off every branch of mine that doesn't produce fruit, and he prunes the branches that do bear fruit, so they will produce even more fruit. 
I, I hesitate to do this then, but I hesitate to do this, but I'm going to ask you another question, okay? According to Jesus, who does the cutting off? Who does the pruning? God the Father does. That's right. And what does God cut off? Yeah, every branch of mine, of Jesus, that doesn't produce fruit. And when we look at verse 6, uh, we come to, to see what, comes, what happens to those branches which are the God the Father cuts off. Jesus says, such branches are gathered into a pile and burned. So while God the Father cuts off and disposes, uh, disposes of these branches which do not produce fruit, the good news is that those who produce fruit, God takes and he prunes them so they can produce more fruit. Now I admit, I admit, verse 2 it says, and he prunes the branches that do not bear fruit, so they're producing more fruit. But I admit that the, 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 the part of this verse that talks about he cuts off, he removes, he piles, he burns, is, is very hard, difficult for us to hear. I, um, my very first church was a rural church, a very small rural church. But I love, I love the rural community. And most of the people in my churches, in the church there, consisted of farmers. And uh, I loved, it was, it was, I had enough time to, to help the farmers with their chores and with harvest and putting hay up in the mow. And, and uh, there was one, uh, even with pig, pig farmer, Merv, I called me up talking with the pigs one day and I came home. And when you, the thing is, when you do chores in a pig farm, you know it after you leave. And I came home and Glenda would not let me in the house. You're not coming in here? Smelling like that. Now, Understand, we lived in the country, we lived in a farm, there's no one around. She said, you got to take all your clothes off before you can come in. She, yeah, I know, yeah. <laughs> she made me strip down to nothing before, I'm not letting you in this house, and you, you come in. That, I mean, that's, that's how it was. And, and, and in my first church, there was Cliff, who was a wonderful man. Uh, he loved his cows. And I think I told you this before, he used to um, uh, he would have a radio in his barn, playing music for his cows, because he thought his cows would enjoy the music. And I got to know his routine so well of doing chores. He, could, he and his wife, Judith, could go away, and I could step in and do his chores for a few days. But the very first thing I did, you remember I told you this first thing I did, because he played country and western music on that radio. I turned it to something else. And the cows went, thank you, woo, thank you. In fact, I was so into this, I even bought and had an old V8 case tractor I used to help the farmers with. Uh, there's a picture of me here, I think, on it. It's helping a farmer who's injured, and I helped cleaning out his yard one day, and that's me in my old V8 case, wonderful tractor, doing some chores, helping the farmers. And uh, we are for our church, the president or the executive director of the Canada Food Grains Bank was in our church. And so we, of course, had a field where we would help grow grains for the Canada Food Grains Bank. And all the farmers would show up in their big green John Deere's and cases. And I'd pull in my little VA case. <laughs> hey, guys, they let me play with them and help them. And it was wonderful. I'm telling you all this because one of my farmers was an apple farmer. And uh, he would have me learn to, to prune trees in the spring. There's a little bit of snow left. And I would go and I understood that pruning apple trees will maximize healthy fruit production. Because pruning enables and allows fruitful branches to become even more fruitful. And at, at first, when you're pruning, it looks like there's a great loss. You're, you know, you're cutting away all this, 
these branches and say, this doesn't look good. I feel like I'm killing the tree. But we need to realize this, more branches doesn't produce more fruit. In our, in our minds, we would think that. Like, if you have more branches, I would produce more fruit. And you think that's the way it would be, but it doesn't. The truth is that the tree or the vine becomes more fruitful when you prune it, when you cut away. In fact, the area where we lived, you could find apple trees that were wild. They had been for years, had been unattended. No one pruned them. And there was branches all crazy in these wild orchards and just everywhere. And and they, they produced these small, tiny apples that no one wanted to eat except for the deer. The apple farmer taught me to cut off branches to open up a tree to allow the sun to reach the fruit-bearing branches. And you know that in, in my messages, I quote a lot of scripture because I want to make sure it's God's thoughts. And I also will quote a lot of other people who know better, more than I do in their field, which seems to be like everybody. Um, and today is no exception. So I'm going to quote from a professional horticologist named Joanne Young, who sounds familiar to me. That name sounds familiar to me. But Joanne says, notice in the photos, I think we have the photo here, notice in the photos that where the vine is bearing fruit, that there are no branches that are covering the bunches of grapes. Normally the vine is so vigorous that the fruit can get hidden from the sun, which would slow down the ripening process and may not reach harvest. As the fruits start to ripen in the summer, a good farmer gardener will go through the vineyard and prune off any growth that will, I love this word, distract from fruit being produced and reaching fruition. So when I read that, I, I read that, and I was thinking, I couldn't help but to think about how we can do that. We can allow things in our life, even good things and nice things, to distract us from what Jesus the Son wants to produce in our life. And preventing, you know, allowing, Jesus wants to do this, but we're, we, we are distracted, or, you know, and we're hidden behind other things and busyness or other things that may be, we think it's okay, but we're not producing fruit. <clears throat> so what does a life-producing fruit look like? Well, we've talked about this. I'm going to kind of summarize a bit. But when you truly abide in Jesus, you will discover you're producing the character of Jesus. And it was a week, I think last time we looked at the Philippians, um, we talked about uh, this. We will uh, also have the attitude of Jesus or that was in Philippians, the character of, of Jesus was in Galatians, and then the passion for the mission of Jesus, which is in Luke. Character, attitude, and passion for the mission. When you connect with Jesus, you're going to find that you are developing his character, Galatians 5, all those characteristics. You're going to develop his humble attitude, Philippians. You're going to have a passion for his mission, which is everywhere, but just... Listen, Luke 19, 10 there. This is, this is what happens in you. You connect with Jesus, this is what's going to happen to you because you can't be attached and receive Jesus on a consistent basis and not bear and reflect his character and his attitude and the passion for his mission. Why? Because we've heard this, source determines substance. Source determines substance. You can't put a plum on a crabapple tree, expect to grow more plums. You will produce what you receive. You gotta remember that. So it makes me want to ask, what am I receiving in my life? What am I connecting to? What am I abiding to? Because whatever that is, that's what's gonna be produced in my life. That's what I'm receiving, well, what I'll become. 
So pruning will maximize healthy fruit production. God will come in and, and, and remove things and take things away that you think might be good, and, and, you know, but they're really preventing his work in your life to become fruitful in these areas. So the apple farmer in our church taught me what branches to cut off and pruning. Again, it seems very messy. It appears like you're damaging the tree, destroying the tree, and you're taking cutting off so much, and you think this can't be helping whatsoever. But the principle is this. Pruning will maximize healthy fruit production. Why? Well, he cuts off every branch of mine that doesn't produce fruit. That's what he does in our life. And why? Because the branches who do bear fruit they can produce more fruit. So again, verse 2 is, is, can be difficult for us. I think, you know, like we say, can we go back to the very first week we talked about Jesus' joy be my joy? I like that. I like that. This, this, this whole talk about being cut away and thrown into the fire and, and being separated from God, I don't really want, doesn't really sit well with me. It doesn't inspire me. But the fact is that, that those who are not producing or those things in our life that are not producing will be cut off and removed. And Jesus gives us no room for compromise. That's, this is the way he is. He's not saying, okay, there's some of you here, some of you here, and yeah, a lot of you in between. It doesn't work that way. And, and on the church of Laodicea, Laodicea, thank you, Mark, in Revelation, Jesus said to the church, remember, because you are warm, not hot or cold, I will spit you out of my mouth. Either, either you're being fruitful and you're being pruned and become more fruitful, or you're not being fruitful and cut off, removed. This week, I was in my morning time, I was reading uh, back in the book of Joshua about Achan. Do you remember Achan? He was a man who, uh, in, in, in Joshua's story, God said, when you go into Jericho, don't take any of the um, treasure for yourself. But Achan disobeyed and he took some of the treasure and hid it under his tent. He sinned against God willingly and knowingly, and it caused all the Israel, the nation of Israel, to be defeated in the next battle, which should have been the easy battle, the battle of Ai. And the disobedience of one man and his family just paralyzed this whole nation. And Achan thought, well, I can conceal my sin. I can hide this. No one can know about this. But he thought his sin would not affect anyone else, but he was wrong. His sin had dire consequences, not just for him, not just for his family, but the whole nation. So God removed Achan and his family. They were cut off, and it's a difficult piece of Scripture to read and how God had Achan removed. God commanded that Achan and his entire family and all his possessions would be destroyed, a punishment that seems, punishment that seems so harsh to us today. But here's the truth. Once Achan was removed, Israel advanced. Once the sin in the camp was dealt with, Israel could move forward. And we would not be where we are today, probably, if God did not deal with that sin. Achan's sin, if it was allowed to prevail and to carry on, Israel would not be where it was and we would not be where we are today. There was sin in the camp. We, and we need to understand it's a sobering thought of the seriousness of our sin. Uh, just as obedience of Christian can bring blessing to others, the sin of Christians, of the Christian, can bring harm to many others. Hey, can you see that? Think of Adam and Eve. Adam and Eve, the very beginning of our, our history with, with God, their sin affected the whole of mankind. Adam and Eve, their, their rebellion, their sin brought death and disease and disaster into our world. 
Henry Blackaby writes this, your sin will have an impact on others. Choosing to disobey God may cost your family God's blessing. The power of God may be absent for your church because you are living in disobedience. So that, that is quite sobering. That's serious. And why do you talk about it, Mark? Because it's in, the, it's in the word of God. We can't just say, let's just ignore this part. Let's talk about the things we want to hear. That's not God's message. My favorite parable is the one that Peter read for us today because I'm always, I'm always learning something from the parable of the three servants. And even today, as Peter was reading it, it stuck out to me that the servant that received uh, the five bags, and this is, not just, this is not a thing about money, by the way. This is about receiving what God gives us. And he is, I mean, Peter stuck out when he read this. He, said, he went off at once, it said. I thought, oh, that's right. He didn't, he didn't hesitate. He didn't wait. Once he received what he had, he didn't wait around. Well, someday I'm going to get around to this. He went off at once. The master gave the servant resources for the purpose of using them to be fruitful and productive. Two of the three servants went out at once. But the third guy, he's apathetic. Maybe someday. It's kind of lazy. Actually, the master called him wicked and lazy. And when Jesus came back and the master came back, he had gained, he didn't lose anything, but he didn't gain anything. And what did the master do? He cut him off. He was destroyed. And we find the whole pruning principle being applied here in this parable, how the unproductive will be removed and cut off, but the fruitful will become more fruitful. You read this, then he ordered to take the money from his servant and give it to the one with ten bags of silver. To those who use well what they are given, here it is, even more will be given. And they will have an abundance. But from those who do nothing, even what they have will be taken away. Now throw this useless servant into utter darkness. This is hard for us to hear. Throw that useless servant out into utter darkness will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. So the unproductive was removed and the fruit became more fruitful. And we're starting to understand the importance of bearing fruit in our life. Again, the character of Christ. The attitude of Christ having a passion for his mission. It affects us. It affects your families. It affects us, the church. And while we know sin is death, Jesus says, yes, but I am life. We know that verse in John. Jesus told them, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one can come to the Father except through me. And so if we want this life, we, we want Jesus. If I want the life, the abundant, eternal life, if I want even in the broken world with storms come, the joy of Jesus, I want Jesus. No one can come to the Father except through me. And so if we want Jesus, we want life, we want Jesus. And if we want Jesus, we need to abide in Jesus. And if we're abiding in Jesus, then we're abiding in his words. We're abiding in time with him. We're spending time with him because his words, they're life. I mentioned uh, in this week's gate video, if you get the gate post every week, there's usually a, a video that, uh, about five minute video that I'll put along with it. And this week I was telling you, I came across this verse. I would know that I would have read this verse before. It just somehow it just stuck out to me this week. And that happens sometimes in Deuteronomy 32, which is not a place we often read in, but it, this, God, this is how God describes his words. These instructions are not empty words. So God, God takes this and said, you know, this is not empty. 
They are your life. That's God speaking. That's not Mark talking to you today. By obeying them, you will enjoy a long life in the land you'll occupy when you cross the Jordan River. These instructions are not empty words. This is where you find direction. This is where you find hope. This is where you find how you can become more fruitful. This is where you know how you have assurance that when you pass over from death, you'll pass into life. Because God's word is not just information. His word to us is all about transformation. It's not just information. And again, Romans 12, 2. Don't copy the behavior and the customs of the world, but let God transform you. Let God transform you into a new person. Why? How? By changing the way you think. How can you know how God thinks if you're not listening to God's word and his thoughts and reading them and applying them? Yeah, it's puzzling. It, it is puzzling to me, and I know there are times when I've been guilty of this, but it's puzzling how we can profess being a Christian and seek to live the Christian life without understanding the Word from God, the Bible, and reading it. I don't just mean like, like there's a verse of the day that comes up on my phone. I read Scripture today. I'm talking about diving in. I'm talking about diving deeper so God, when He has something to say to you, you get it. You're not just getting a little morsel. You're getting the whole banquet. Because God's Word is not just information or some list of helpful suggestions. It is life itself. That's what's unique about the Bible. It is life itself. So God commanded his people to commit and to teach his word. He, we read this in Deuteronomy as well, in Deuteronomy 6, 4, and 8. And you must commit. And I would underline that word in, in your sermon notes, or underline it in your Bible. That word commit separates people. You must commit yourselves, how wholeheartedly to these commands that I'm giving you today. Repeat them. I've been undertaking this couple weeks to spend more time memorizing Scripture so I can repeat them and know them. It's an area that I feel I've been lacking in and I want to I become better at. Repeat them again and again to who? Your children. To your family. Talk about what God says when you're at home. And when you're away from home on the road, when you're going to bed, when you're getting up. But here's the question. Here's the, I think logically, so forgive me if, if this is not the way you think, but I, I just think, how can we offer and give and teach what we have not received? How can I stand and teach my children and, and teach the church and, and teach others and my family or, or in, in, who I work with and live with? If I'm not receiving this, how can I give it to them? How can you produce fruit if you're not connected to the vine? There is a vine, and there's a branch. And the vine is full of life. And as we said a couple weeks ago, the vine pushes, actually pushes life into the branch. And it keeps pushing life into the branch until fruit pops out at the other end of the branch. That is the life of the vine. The branch doesn't suck the life out. The branch just being attached to it, has life pushed into it. And when you're attached to Christ, he's pushing life into you, and it becomes very apparent in your attitude, in your character, in your passion for his mission. 
Jesus is the vine, we are the branches. Jesus gives us what we need to produce fruit. And 2 Peter says, by his divine power, God's given us everything, not just some things or most things, everything we need for living that godly life. God's given it to you. So vine plus branch equals fruit. That's how it works. If you're just a branch, you're not going to produce fruit. If you're the vine, if Jesus is the vine, but you're not attached to him, you will not produce fruit. You need the vine, the Jesus Christ, and you as a branch need to be abiding in him, and he pushes life into you, and you suddenly find yourself, I'm producing fruit. I'm producing the attitude of Christ. Look, I'm, I, I, the character, my character is being transformed. My passion for his mission is being transformed. I'm not, I'm not apathetic about it anymore. But if you're not abiding, if you're not producing fruit, you will be cut off. And Jesus says, I, I, God, he, the Father cuts off every branch of mine that's not producing fruit. You don't want to be cut off. I don't want to be cut off. But you can't be producing fruit if you're not abiding. It's just so simple that I can even get that. Jesus saying that um, there are people who may identify themselves with me, but they're not willing to become like me, and so they're cut off. Now, as a branch, branches will protest, but I'm a branch. I show up every day to the vineyard. I believe in the vine. I believe in its existence. I believe that the vine produces fruit. I receive the same sun as the other branches receive. I receive the same water the other branches receive. I'm fertilized as all the other branches are fertilized. I am faithful. But here's the point that in our whole byline in this, this Abide series, we must be more than faithful. We must be fruitful. And you can't be fruitful if you're not abiding in Jesus, who refers to himself as the true vine. Now, this is important. I'm going to pause here. Dramatic effect. Faith is important. Faithful is important. In fact, you can't be fruitful without first being faithful. Hear me on that. Faithful is key because you can't be fruitful without first being faithful. But we're just called to be more than faithful. We're called to be fruitful. Jesus says, my father's the garden, and I'm not a gardener. Like that professional horticologist, I, what was her name, Joanne Young, I quoted earlier. But one thing I know about gardeners is that they don't plant gardens for the sake of just having plants exist. The gardener, you know, they, they garden with the hope that their plants will be fruitful or they're going to flower. And God just didn't save you so that you can show up saying, I'm here. I'm a branch. I'm in the garden. No, God desires and works in you to be fruitful in his vineyard. I told you a couple of weeks ago, I confess to you, and I mean this, I'm a work in progress. So I'm preaching to myself. I'm not just up here saying, you guys, you're horrible people. I got this figured out. And I, I know the truth, I do see progress. I look back in my life and I say, okay, I can see how my character has changed and attitude and the past provision of Christ. I've seen the growth. It's not like it's never been there, but God will sit me down and say, Mark, but there's so much more. There's areas in your life that I got to see pruning and, and, and so you'd be more fruitful and productive. And I'm so aware of that. So sometimes, I don't know if I should say this, but I'm almost sorrowful because I realize, God, there's, I'm not, I, there's more that I need to be, be, to become and to be fruitful in. And, and I sit with God and I'm very mindful of it. I take it very seriously. I'm a work in progress. But I know that work will not happen, that, that, that the fruitfulness will not become if I do not abide in Jesus. And so 
I come before God every day. I say, God, mold me. Transform me. Prune me. Every day. And, and, and I, and I, you know, I, I'm in three different life groups that I need to be in. I'm not bragging. I'm telling this because I need to be in these groups of accountability, of prayer, of scripture. And yes, it's an investment of time. But the fruit produces is something that is something I cannot find anywhere else. And I want to be producing fruit. And I'm aware how much more I need to produce. So I, I invest the time in the word and with others. And I would think that if you ask any person who has consistently in, in, been in one of our by groups a number of years for a great length of time, they would tell you this it's a lot of work. There, there's homework. There's accountability. There's reading to do. There's prayer time. But there's fruit. There's fruit. And if you ask me if the fruit is worth it, I would be very confident to say, yep, it is. I did a, I did a funeral yesterday for, for a family member that I was very close with. And I went to the funeral <clears throat> um, kind of I don't know, maybe the word is burden because I knew that this is my family. And I knew a lot of them, though all we, were, we grew up in the church, not all of them are following God today as God would have them to follow. And I just felt this pressure. I just put it on myself saying, you've got to deliver a message that, that you know, this may be the last time they have a chance to hear the gospel. And, you know, because they, you know, they only come to a funeral and it's the last member in this generation that has passed, really. And they may not have another chance. And Mark, you've got to really come home and do this well. And, and I just, I, I was just, I just felt this weight. And then yesterday morning, my, my, that time where I set aside God and say, prune me, mold me, transform me. The whole devotion was on the disciple named Andrew. And Andrew, you remember, he was, not, he, he was not one of the three main guys, Jesus' disciples. He was not in the inner circle. There's no book in here called Andrew, like Matthew or Mark or Luke or John or Peter. But what Andrew did was he invited people to Jesus. He invited his brother Peter to Jesus. And Peter did make it, you know, here's a book. And Peter was one of the inner three. I said, oh, but what Andrew did is he invited people to Jesus. And then he does that not just with his brother, but others. And let Jesus do the divine work. And I thought, I need that because I, who am I? So all I did was say, I'm just going to invite my family to Jesus today. I just want them to show them Jesus, point to him. And let him do the divine work in their lives. And I try to make it clear. And I hope it was clear. Because I love these. This is my family. I love them. We're going to show, close the video today. I showed this four years ago when we did the series the first time. Some of you will remember it, and I want to show it again because it's such a great illustration of what God wants to do in your life and what you would want Him to do in your life, even though it might hurt a bit. Pruning can hurt a bit. So watch this video and just let it speak to you this morning. Ephesians 2.10 says that we are God's workmanship, his masterpiece. I don't know about you, but when I get up in the morning and look in the mirror, I don't really see a, a masterpiece, you know? I mean, maybe a Picasso. It's like, <laughs> but I want to be his masterpiece. 
I want to be everything he created me to be. And so I go to him in prayer and I say, dear heavenly father, do whatever it takes to mold me into the image of your son. Make me your masterpiece. In Jesus name I pray. Amen. Hi. Whoa. Who are you? I'm God. You said the prayer, so here I am. You're not God. No, I am. You said the prayer. That's how it works. Okay, okay. If you're God, then uh, make it snow in here. You know what? I really don't want to make it snow in here because it'd get kind of yucky. Yeah, you're not God. Why do you say that? God wouldn't say yucky. I do. It's a Greek word. Oh. Okay, okay. Um, if you're God, what does Lamentations 15.9 say? Lamentations is only five chapters. It's a very short book. Oh. Why was it so short? I was tired of lamenting. Oh. Okay, okay. If you're God, who's going to win the World Series this year? I'm really not into playing games. Why are you so much into playing games? You are God. Well, gave it away. You answered my question with a question. I did? <sighs> yeah, I do that. Don't I? I did it again. <laughs> Step right up. Here we go. Okay. All right. Hey, what are we doing? I'm going to make you my original masterpiece. This is the process. Oh, okay. Got it. Yeah. Wait, wait. What are these about? These are the tools I'm going to use to make you into my original masterpiece. Okay. Hang on. Yeah. I thought you were a carpenter. That's my son. Step right up. Here we go. Okay. Oh, hey, God. Mm -hmm. How do you know what to chisel away and what to leave? I take out everything in your life that doesn't belong there, kind of like dead weight. Ooh, speaking of dead weight, could you chisel right here? It showed up when I was in my 20s and grew around and became back fat. I don't even know why you created that, but I can't get rid of it. I mean, I've tried everything. Like, I tried running. I tried lifting weights. My wife actually talked me into trying Pilates. That was awkward. But I can't get rid of it. So if you would just chisel around here, and then, you know what, if you chisel a line right here and maybe... Four to five, maybe eight lines right here. That would be awesome. You're funny. You made me that way. I also made the platypus. The platypus. All I'm saying is most of my children, when it comes to this process, they just want to talk, but they don't want to do the work. So do you want to talk or can I chisel? Talk, chisel. No, talk, no, chisel. no, 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 no. I choose to chisel. All right. Through my Holy Spirit, I'm going to bring up things in your life that I want you to work on. Like your anger. Mm. I created the emotion, but you use it in the wrong way. Um, you compare yourself to others instead of me. You tell little white lies because you want to people please. You're lazy. But you try to fool everybody by looking really, really busy. You have a problem with lust? Time out. <laughs> I don't really have a problem with lust. You don't have a problem with lust. No, I can do it anytime I want. <sighs> Hang on a second. I mean, I, I got to admit, I, I feel like you've been doing some great work and I'm looking pretty good right now. All right, when you look in the mirror, who do you see? I see me. Okay, then I need to keep chiseling away because ultimately you and other people need to see my son. Okay, don't misunderstand me. It's just um, when I look more like Jesus, people get uncomfortable around me. I mean... Even my church friends, and they're like, oh, you're holier than thou, you know? And, and I, don't, I don't think I'm supposed to make people uncomfortable. So what you're saying is you'd rather play God in certain areas of your life than for me to be God over your whole life. That is not what I said. It's what you meant. Yes, it is. Um, it's hard to talk to you. You know everything that I'm thinking. I'm just saying you've done some great work. Maybe we take a break, a sabbatical from each other, you know? I'll stay right here, and then, you That's know... That's just it. You never just stay right there. You're either moving toward me or away from me, but never you just stay. What you're doing is called control. Do you want to control things in your life or can I chisel? Control, chisel, control, no, chisel. No, chisel, chisel. All right. But can we chisel where I want? That's called control. Oh, okay, I'm sorry. 
Now this right here, this secret sin that you keep running to whenever you're hurting, angry, lonely, tired, that you think you're fooling everybody, but it's making you a whitewashed tomb. Are you ready for me to chisel this out of your life? Yeah. See, it's a process. It's not a sprint. It's a marathon. It's your whole life. And you care so deeply about what other people think of you. It's rubbish. It's garbage. The greatest thing you're ever going to hear is at the end of your life, when you hear me say, well done, good and faithful servant, that's what you keep your eye on. That's the prize. Heavenward. Oh, that hurts. Oh, trust me. This hurts me more than it hurts you. Right. Okay. I'm sorry. I just, I don't think you understand this pain. Pardon me? You're asking me to sacrifice a lot, God. Don't talk to me about sacrifice. I know all about sacrifice. I sent my son to die on the cross for pain, for sin, but I also did it for another reason, to give you freedom. Do you know what insanity is? Insanity is doing the same thing over and over and over again, expecting different results. And there are things that you've been doing for years, these empty wells that don't have anything to offer. You've been going to them and it's insane. Allow me to chisel them out of your life. Um, allow me to produce character where you keep focusing so much on your image. Okay, but I was thinking. Your thoughts are not my thoughts. Okay, but if we went another way. Your ways are not oh, my ways. Oh, I can't. You can't what? I, I, I can't be good. That's your excuse. That's your excuse is that you can't be good. It's not an excuse. I can't. Oh, my child, in the beginning, I said it was good. I made you good. Be good. Yeah, but you and I both. What? Nothing. No, what is it? Nothing, okay? You wouldn't understand. I, God of all the universe, wouldn't understand something one of my children has to say. Try me. It's just, um, I let you down so many times, God. No, my child. You were never holding me up. I hold you up with my victorious, righteous right hand. Never the other way around. In this relationship, I hold you up. Okay. Chisel away. Just, just be prepared for what you're going to find in there. Because I know who's inside there. Because I get up every morning and I look at him in the mirror and I hate who I see. Because deep inside there, just this, this little kid who gets up every morning and dresses like an adult. And I go out and I, and I try to do what I'm supposed to do, but I can't, okay? I can't be who everybody else expects me to be. God, I can't even be who I want to be, much less who you created me to be. And so inside is this scared, stupid little kid but you chisel away. Just be prepared. You have listened to so many voices for far too long that were not from me. And you have totally bought into the lie, haven't you? You think you're junk, don't you? When you lay your head down at night after you've done the dance to get the hug, you think you're junk. Listen to me. I don't take time to make junk. How can I show you that my love for you stretches as far as the east to the west? That How can I show you that my love for you has no end? I know. Reach in your back pocket. What? Reach in your back pocket. Why? Are you arguing with me? Reach in your back pocket. Oh, God. Yes? 
I just went, God, I'll do that right now. You were just saying my name in vain. Come on. It's, it's a name. It's a saying. It's a name above all names. It's more than a saying. It's more than a name. I want to teach you something about my name. Reach in your back pocket. Oh, my gosh. You know what that is? Yeah, it's a, uh, it's a note. I, I wrote it when I was in college. How did you get this? Hello? Oh, yeah. Go ahead and read it. I love Angie. Other side. Sorry. Dear God, did I hear you right today? Did I hear you say that you love me? Even though you and I both know I messed up so many times. Did I hear you say you want to use me? And I feel so useless. If you'll take me, then use me then. God, I give you all that I am. Take me. I love you, God. I love you too. And I love you too much just to leave you where you're at. This salvation that you hold, I don't want it to be some sentimental gush or some head knowledge. I want you to work it out in every detail of your life. And when problems come and chaos happens, don't look at it as a, as a prison, but look at it as a father disciplines his child. A father disciplines the ones he loves. I know, but it's going to be tough. Yes, but you bought into the life thinking everything was going to be easy when you gave everything over to me. There will be trouble in this world, but be of good cheer. I've overcome the world. I want you to do something. I want you to look out there and I want you to say, Tommy is God's original masterpiece. Tommy is God's... No, not the way you see yourself or you try so desperately for others to see you, but maybe for the first time in your life, the way I see you, the way I created you. Tommy... Is God's original masterpiece. Yes, you are. And so are you. God doesn't make junk. You are an original masterpiece. Edit. I've seen that so many times and I'm so moved by it. Um, how many of you can, would confess you connect with what he said? Like, honest, come on, come on. How many of you can say, I'll put both of my hands up. I get that message. If you can, you're in a good spot because God wants to prune and work in your life. You're saying, God, I'm not where I want to be and need to be. I'm grateful you have saved me. I want to become, I want to be more fruitful. I want to reflect your character and your image and your passion. And I understand that, yes, I can see areas where that's happened, but Lord, I want to continue. But if you don't have that connection, you don't care, then I want you to know 
it would not surprise me if there were two or three of you today who would respond to Jesus and say, I do want to abide. in you, and I need to. And if you're serious, uh, I mean serious, the time has come in your life where you say, I need to be producing Christ-like fruit. This, this morning in our prayer start, Glendo talked about the parable of, the, the parable just before the one that Pete read about the 10 uh, bridesmaids, and some were not prepared, some did not have enough oil when the bride came, when Jesus came, um, or the bridegroom came, they were not ready. And they had to go out and try to find some oil, and they missed it. They missed it. I wonder how many of us think, well, someday I'll, I'll, I'll take this seriously. But you're going to miss it. If you're serious, if the time has come in your life, you're going, this is it. I put this off for so long, and I really need to be producing Christ-like fruit. I want to, I want to be, I, I, God even chisel me and prune me, even though it may hurt. I want you to know that I would personally be willing to work with you and mentor you and coach you as a fellow believer and disciple you in this area. I told you I am already being, I have been for years. And I meet with pastors three times a week. Because I need to. I want to produce Christ-like fruit. But it just can't be a good idea. I know something like, oh, I want this, I want this. Understand, it has to be this conviction. You have to be hungry for this. It's a real desire. And so what I'm giving you is an invitation. And I'll leave it to you to contact me if you're ready to abide. It takes time. He said that. It's a process. So don't just suddenly wait, oh, Jesus comes back. Then I'll, okay, then I'll do it. No, you're, it's too late. You're going to miss it. It starts now. Um, Joanne shared in her email to me that fruit does not ripen as soon as it starts to form. It takes time and energy and constant feeding from the vine for the fruit to form and ripen. So the time has come. Don't wait for the last minute. Start today. It takes time. It takes investment. It takes energy. Constant feeding from the vine for fruit to form and ripen. A.W. Tozer, who was an alliance man, said the faith of Christ off the faith of Christ offers no buttons for push to push for quick service. The new order must wait for the Lord's own time, and there is too much time for the man in a hurry. That is too much time for man in a hurry. He just gives up and becomes interested in something else. In other words, if you're not willing to invest the time and make the connection, you're just going to give up and something else will distract you. But it will not produce fruit in you. So we're going to close as we have in some times before. We're going to do our take two today. And why do we do take two? Because God's word is not just information. If that's all it were, then I can say, okay, I heard the information. I'm going to go on and move on, and next week I'll hear some more. But God's Word is all about transformation. So let's stop while we have His attention. He has our attention. We have His attention. And let's sit before God for a couple minutes 
And what we do is we reflect, we draw near to God, and God says, I'll draw near to you. And the Bible says this in James 1.22, do what God's God's teaching says. Don't just listen and do nothing. I think that's the problem. That's when it's information. When it comes to transformation, it's when you only sit and you you listen, you're just fooling yourself. When it's transformation, is when you apply it. So we're going to take a minute, worship team can come up, and ask God this question. We're asking, what is one thing God's saying to me today? Right here, what, is God, what am I hearing from him? And then in this, this moment of quiet, let's just ask, ask him, say, how is he asking me to respond? If it's not just information, he wants to transform me, what is he saying to me? How, what am I hearing and what am I to do about it? Could you just take a minute, two minutes, and let's reflect on this together. Thanks for listening to today's podcast. We make these messages available to give you a window into our church, but also an open gate for you to join in with our community. Our Sunday service is at 10 a.m., and we look forward to seeing you soon. And know that there is a place for you at The Gate. Please remember to visit thegatechurch.ca for more information about our church.